You have found the Run Around Iowa, the podcast that's dedicated to news and interviews with the athletes, coaches, and personalities who are making headlines in college cross country, track and field, road running, trail running, and triathlon in the state of Iowa. And now from the home office in Clive, here is your host, Lance Bergeson. My guest today is now in an exclusive club. He finished his 25th consecutive Boston Marathon last month and is now the first Iowa man who won't have to qualify for subsequent races in distances, distance running's granddaddy of them all now. He has been a fixture in the Des Moines running community for decades, and he's been an, an accomplished uh, triathlete, having competed in the Ironman World Championships in Hawaii three times. Welcome to the program, John Taylor III. Hello, John. Well, hello, Lance. Thank you very much and look forward uh, to our meeting today. Yeah, um, I know I've interviewed you at least once uh, for the Des Moines Register. Bryce Miller did a, did a long uh, feature on you uh, years back ago. So, so uh, I, I, I know the subject pretty well, but this is exciting news. You got uh, notification officially um, a week ago or so uh, that you're now in the Boston Quarter Century Club, which means that you don't have to qualify for Boston anymore. You're, uh, you're grandfathered in. You've uh, made it through 25 straight years. Second person to ever do it. Uh, a good friend, I'm sure, of yours and a, and a very good friend of mine is the first, Andrea Wickstrom of Storm Lake. She's the first woman to do it from Iowa, but now you're the first man. Yes, uh, this has been, ever since I knew about this club, I don't know, maybe 15 or so years ago, it's been a dream of mine. Once I had uh, done several in a row, I thought, you know, yeah. it's a nice way to stay motivated to keep in tip-top shape, but you never know over something that lasts 25 years, the different setbacks or obstacles that you need to overcome uh, to reach something like this. And this is why there's so few people in the, in the world who have uh, a, a current string of 25 or more consecutively at Boston. It is a great accomplishment. Congratulations. Um, how, how many are there? Did, uh, it looks like Mark Busiek from the, uh, the vice president of the club uh, sent you that uh, email notification. So what, that, what hey, I know about... Are in there. Do you know how many there are worldwide? All right, right now, I believe there is just over 100, maybe like 107. Mm. And then in the most current Boston Marathon program, the advertise, there's uh, a little over... 200 who had 20 in a row hmm. uh, actively. So there's in the next five year increments, there could be up to another maybe 100 people that could join this club. Now, with that, you're going to have people that drop out. Yeah. People may have passed away or yeah. just health reasons or not able to finish. So once you, once you're in the club, while you're currently an active member, you do get guarantee entry to the next year's Boston Marathon, which is a huge uh, relief, especially a lot of the older people may not be able to qualify anymore. But then once you miss one year, you're done. You hmm. have to qualify like anybody else does. So oh, really? Okay. It's, so, uh, you're, so you're So you're I got pressure. I still have to. Uh, you got your you got your plane tickets ready for Boston already. In other words, you basically well, put it this way. My understanding with the airlines, you have eleven months out is when they schedule the next flight. So as soon as I get within that eleven months out, that's my first thing I do is get the airfare for next year and get that taken care of. Your days away. Your days. Yes. You're definitely days away. So. Well, that's uh, that I knew that it was an it was a select group, but I didn't realize it was that much. And like you said, you know, people do you know, fall off. People don't, don't keep the streak going, and and certainly the majority of those, of course, unfortunately, people do die. You know, along yeah. the way. So, it, um, majority of those what we call streakers, they uh, certainly the majority are in the New England states. 
Yeah. Like Massachusetts, New York. Yeah, so that on. makes sense because they're, you know, they are close. By so, so close. Easier, easier to do that. So, well, it's a big commitment to run Boston 25 straight years. You kind of have to plan your, your, your spring uh, running around that. Um, um, definitely takes up a lot of your vacation time, I'm sure. A little well, bit of it anyway. Well, see, what helped me in the earlier days, see, I had a, another goal of running a marathon in all 50 states, which I okay. fulfilled that in 2013. Okay. I was so there's uh, many years I ran many marathons. So that gave me many more opportunities to qualify. Yeah. And so back in those earlier days, it was pretty easy or I, I had qualified multiple times for one Boston. But then once I finished the 50 states, I didn't run as many marathons. And so finding, so I had less opportunities to qualify, which gave me more pressure when I was running a marathon to qualify. And I was sure. not always successful. And so I certainly had to scramble some years to get a qualifier, uh, you were well you were messaging me the other day about how you you made it uh you qualified the day before registration opened for boston one year tell me about that experience how close that was well that was uh there's a year i ran my uh 100th marathon it was 2017 and so my 100th marathon i thought it'd be kind of neat to do the race called Marathon to Marathon in okay. Iowa that started in Storm Lake and ended in the, uh, I guess, the village of Marathon. Yeah. And, but that day was a hundred degree day, horribly hot, horribly humid, and had a great start. But then in the second half, almost everybody was walking. Mm. And then I still had a good race, but the heat, was enough that I was not able to qualify. Yeah. And so now I've got some serious pressure. And so then I did some research. What is like, like a marathon that's before registration that's not super hilly? So I found this one in Grand Island, Nebraska, which is drivable distance from Des Moines, and it's advertised as the flattest, fastest marathon in the country. And the the uh, the race was on a Sunday, and then the, the very next day was the day to register for Boston. So there was a, and at this point, that was with 2017. So I've done roughly 20 in a row, and I had a lot of pressure that day. Yeah, and 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 it was a warm day because this was in I think late August. Oh yeah. And, oh, well. uh, but I was able to qualify with know, roughly five minutes to spare. But it was like, what an unbelievable relief because he'd hate to get that far along and not be able to, uh, to qualify. But I did. And so it was a pretty nice ride home. What did you have to run that day? And what did you run? Um, Let's see the exact time. Luckily, I created a spreadsheet of all my 111 marathons that I've run. And that I ran it in 3.33.02. And uh, so the Boston keeps changing or every once in a while the uh, requirements. So it may have been probably my guess it was probably then like a 340 is what I needed. And my exact time is 33302. So I had a little cushion, but yeah. you, as you know, a marathon's a long distance and a lot can happen. <laughs> it takes, if you're forced to walk or something, you could lose 30 minutes before you know what really happened. Yeah, and absolutely. And I've so, done it before. <laughs> so we, we, anyone who's run a marathon, no, you're going to have to expect the unexpected. Something's going to happen. You just and, hope you that was the, can deal with it. And that was about age 58 then that you did that. So that's so an excellent time. 20, so it's actually 
in uh, the day was August 27, 2016. So, uh, yeah, I would have just turned 58 because my birthday's earlier in August. Okay. So you're coming up on 64 years old. Uh, yes. How many years are you going to keep doing this? Uh, do, you, do you see this uh, Austin now as, as a new goal, kind of reigniting you or your passion for running? Well, I'm certainly uh, – well, I, I'm hoping – to keep doing Boston every year I'm able. Now, one of the things I met probably that, that helped me the most, or this would not have happened without the help of a brother of mine who lives in a Boston suburb. So every year he drives me to Hopkinton, which is where the beginning of the, the marathon starts. So he drops me off uh, in Hopkinton and I take these little shuttle buses to the start as opposed to needing to take to get it driven downtown Boston to pick to pick up the the buses they bring you from downtown, it would just add two hours to the day, oh, and yeah. and so it makes it really it, nice. It does. And what's also what's also great is the fact he knows the course so well. So every year in Natick, same spot. There's my brother, and yeah. then right in uh, in Newton, where all the hills are, same spot. There's my brother, and then we've got and then plus other family members, and so what's great now that I don't need to worry about time is I treat this more like it's a it's almost like a rag ride to me, which is like a party across the marathon course or, or across Iowa for rag ride, where when I see him, he'll have a banana for me and I'll stop and we'll talk. And like this past Boston, one of the stops, one of my brothers was there filming and his video was five minutes long and I'm standing there the whole time because my time didn't matter. All I needed yeah. to do was finish. And yeah. it just, uh, now I certainly have had other races like, for example, my fastest Boston in 2004, uh, I was 256 and 236 overall of everybody, including the, the winners and stuff. And, but it was a really hot day, and I was in really uh, good shape. And uh, certainly that one, I raced it as hard as I could. And what was unique with that race, since I've been at all levels of Boston, is there was times like I barely could see one runner ahead of me, or like by myself. And then there's other years, like now, I'm like in this, I don't know if this is a proper term, but like a mob scene where there's, you're just surrounded by lots of people. And so it's just so neat and kind of refreshing knowing I've seen both aspects of the race. Yeah, um, I, uh, you and I both did the, uh, the only, the one and only fall <laughs> October Boston Marathon uh, last year. Uh, what did you think about that? Uh, having the staggered starts and um, I mean, the atmosphere I thought was still great. The crowds were, were tremendous, but it was a little different uh, not being on Patriots Day. Right. Well, to me, I probably had the my most fun that day. Well, first of all, the um, last year they also offered a virtual marathon. And so I ended up doing both. I wanted to do Boston in person because I figured – this would be the only time probably in anybody's lifetime to have the opportunity to run that course in the fall when yeah. you had the, the leaves on the trees and changing colors. And it was just an amazing experience and a once in a lifetime experience. Cause I don't foresee unless something pretty dramatic ever happens again, they'll ever move it back to the fall. So I had to do it then considering how many times I've run Boston. But then 
regarding the virtual, knowing how close I was to the 25 in a row, you never know what could happen. What if I, I some injury or illness or something that would mess me up on the actual in-person race day? So I figured if I were to do the virtual, even if something messes up, like with the airlines or who knows what could happen, the pandemic, at least I got my string continuing by doing the virtual. So I, so I did the virtual on the Friday and then on Sunday flew to Boston, right oh, from the airport, wow. went right to the expo, got my race number. Then the next morning ran it and I was a little nervous with all that, but it worked out perfect. Well, at least you didn't have flight problems like we did. So, because <laughs> there was there was a lot of you know problems with airlines and the shortage of, of workers, employees so, at that time. If you remember, it was. So uh, I was debating. I almost I almost <laughs> flew out the Saturday, but my virtual I did the virtual with four other people, but these other people were non runners. So we agreed we're going to walk it and mm -hmm. we're going to, and we're only going to be as fast as the slowest walker. Well, that's good. And so my time on the virtual, now this is walking and, and was approximately 11 hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> so, so when I was expecting, we had little aid stations. I was expecting we just get something and keep moving. Well, it turned out our little aid stations was rest times and and stretch times for those. And, <laughs> but it was the most rewarding experience. It was with uh, uh, who else did you do that? What's uh, that? Why don't you list their names? Who you? Who so you I so it was uh, Jill and Matt Larson. Now Jill Larson. This would be a whole nother story, but. Uh, she is my daughter as of, I only knew about her like not, like a year and a half ago. So that's a whole nother story. But uh, so now I have a daughter and six grandkids that I didn't know I had two years ago. So hmm. just as a, as a uh, almost as a joke, I asked Jill, would you like to do the Boston Marathon? It's virtual, but you get an official Boston Marathon finishers medal you don't need a qualifying time. So anybody could enter this. I probably need to be 18 or over. And just as kind of as a joke. So the next day she calls me up, wakes me up early in the morning, says, I'm in. But she is never, she's not a runner. <laughs> and um, so then her it's husband's doing it. And then uh, one of my neighbors, uh, Justin Axelrod, and then a dear friend of mine, Janine Jones from Wyoming. And when mm. I found out about Jill several, or that not quite two years ago, I needed to decide if I wanted to follow up to meet her. And this Janine, the good friend of mine, she uh, said, what do you have to lose? And so I thought it'd be really neat for her to come out to meet jill and we'll all do it together and so it's just an amazing uplifting experience for all of us and so then when i did the race in person i uh um was just justin and janine i uh i facetimed them on the phone so they could actually vision what it was like in Boston in person and hear the crowds. So one of them was by like the finish area. One was by the screen tunnel at Wellesley College. And so they could see what was going on and hear everybody screaming. And so they felt like they were part of the action. And so that was really just an amazing, the whole weekend was just an amazing experience. Hmm. Yeah, and at least it didn't so out well stress you out too much leg wise. You know, you, uh, I mean, it's still walking. You're still on your feet, but uh, but, but the eleven hours and forty five minutes. Well, <laughs> my legs are a little pooped after that. Yeah, it, it, it's an all day affair though. You're, yeah. But but it, it was but 
but that was on the Friday. And then come Monday, I was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You recovered pretty well since you're uh, a long and distance. I, so uh, you had to run 350 to qualify for Boston this year. Where did you get uh, to All right, qualify? well, there's the good – now there's um, a, the, the million-dollar question. See, okay. I've had – very recently, like I had blood clot issues in 2018, and then I had this atrial fibrillation in 2020. And so I had cardiac ablation surgery in 2020. And so since I've had that, I, I'm always leery about pushing it too hard for speed because I, mm-hmm. after the surgery, I was doing track workout, and then I, then the AFib kicked back in again, and then and I haven't had it since this one day, but it's got me really worried about running really hard. So I was now kind of scared. How am I going to get to qualify for that 25th? Well, because of COVID, so many marathons were canceled and other races. Yeah. So they extended the qualifying window a year back. So you had until September 2019 to... Uh, registration for the 2022 well my last qualifier was october 2019 before that surgery and so that was uh allowed but a lot of people wouldn't have been able to have qualifying races because so many were canceled yeah Yeah. so they really had to do that so that's what got me in now knowing they were going to do that that, you use that time for 2021 and 2020 yes yeah so, so I, so I, uh, I felt like I was like, like it was a cat with nine lives. Like there was like, I had like nine different, in my opinion, close cause. Like what we discussed earlier about yeah, qualifying the day before registration. Well, what was another close call? So, so another about? one that was kind of interesting. Uh, this is, I don't know the exact year. But in the early days of Boston, I, I would sign up the day before the money would, or it would cost more. Like, like a lot of races, like the old damn the dam, you have like, you sign up on this day, it's this amount. But if you wait after whatever day, it goes up a little bit. So yep. I always wanted to wait before the money goes up. But at this point, I'd done maybe, I don't know, six, seven in a row. And I got an email from Boston Marathon stating, we noticed you've done several in a row and the race is almost sold out. So if you would like to do it this coming April, you better sign up right away. So then I sign up right away. From that point forward, I sign up the first time you can. But then I say the closest call was back in... Um, is for the 2011 race in 2010 I ran the Newport Marathon in Rhode Island the day before uh, registration now I'd already qualified for Boston but I was in my pursuit for the 50 states so then after the Newport Marathon I go back to the Boston area to my brothers and I was and the day I was flying home was a day to register so the first thing I do when I wake up is go to register. So I entered all my information, hit submit, and it blinked me and it brought me to a blank registration screen. Hmm. So now I'm thinking, oh my God, what do I, have I registered or not? Because you would hmm. expect to get like a confirmation number. So I did it three more times. Same thing happened every time. So now have I registered four times or have I not registered? So now I'm getting a little nervous. And at this point, I've got about 30 minutes before you need to leave to the airport. So I did some research online. And then I found some site where other people were having the same issues I was having. And I found one person who mentioned what they did to get in. They asked a question, is a person running the same person that's paying? And I would always say yes. Well, if he's, this person said, just say no, and then enter your information again, and then hit submit, 
And I did that and I got a confirmation number. Wow. So then I, I, so I didn't think anything more of it until I got home. So I got home and a local running person, you may know him, Roy Nay, anyway, oh, yeah. he, he had, a, I had an email from him and he says, did you get into Boston? Because it sold out. And, and I did. And I always wondered what would have happened if I hadn't figured out how to sign up. Cause I heard, I read these horror stories of these, like this one guy, he had spent years trying to qualify and then finally qualified. Then he goes to, to register first thing in the morning, but it, it didn't work. So then he goes to his job and he goes home that night to register and it was sold out and he couldn't get in. And he already has plane tickets for family of four. And so this caused a huge uproar. Yeah, this and was so, during the this this was during the era when Boston, yeah, did that first come, first serve. They fixed that now where they have that time window for everybody. But they didn't have it then. Window. They didn't so have got, it. It was, these, it was feast or famine back then. It was ridiculous. So you had all these yeah. great runners who qualified by like 20 minutes or a half an hour or more. Yeah. And they didn't get in, and somebody who qualified by one second, they got in. And so that uproar that caused. So it's it, what it, the good thing is it took going forward, it took a lot of pressure off the race to sign up first. Yeah. And now the, the tough thing is, is people who, who qualify because they're excited, they qualify, but now they wonder, did I qualify by enough? And so that added a whole nother wrinkle on the other way. So it was a, it was a tough predicament the Boston Ap Athletic Association had to deal with. But I think but at it's, least, it's at the least fairest it's just, now. Yeah, at, at, at least it is fair now. Uh, what year was, uh, was that r roughly when uh, that year that you had? The, 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 the computer glitch. It was, the computer glitch. Year. It was in 2010. So it's for the 2011 race. It was probably about then when they changed it. After that. Right, it was the next year they changed was, the rules. Yeah. Now, one of the things the impetus that, there. One of the things, and maybe a lot of people may not be aware of this. Those folks who have an active string of ten Boston marathons in a row or more, just ten. Those folks get to register even before for the people who had qualified by 20 minutes or more. And so for me, when I had 10 in a row or more, if, if I qualified by one second, I'm in. Yeah. I got, but I have a certain window when I have to sign up and assuming I sign up in that window, but they give you a few days. So it's not like a race against the it's clock. A couple of days. And, and so I never needed to deal with that 20 minutes or more, but mm. I've, in my earlier days, uh, you needed a faster time, but I also was running several under three hours. And so uh, it wasn't an issue, but it was got a little more risky these uh, later years when I wasn't doing as many marathons. And I'll never, this is a kind of a funny story, uh, is in 2018, one morning I woke up uh, in my, left calf was twice as big as my right calf. I said, mm. this is, something's not right. So normally on Sunday mornings, I go to the Greenbelt Trail and do this 10 mile training run. Well, instead of doing it that training run, I thought something's not right. I think I'm gonna go to the walk-in clinic instead. So I go to the doctor's office and, and they said, I have good news and bad news. Good news is you're alive, we already knew that. The bad news is you have a giant blood clot in the emergency rooms waiting for you. Hmm. And so I had a blood clot from my ankle all the way like, to the groin area. And so I go to the hospital and then I remember, and at that point I really didn't understand, I don't think the seriousness of whatever I was going through, but I distinctly remember telling the doctor, I don't care what you do. I have to be able to run Boston in April. And this was like two months out. 
Mm-hmm. So normally what they would do is, my understanding, give you like blood thinners and in time, hope it gets a little better. Well, knowing my predicament that I have to run Boston because I can't, when your strings like over 20 or around 20 in a row, you just hate the thought of losing it. It would be pretty yeah. tough. So they did this procedure where they put something in the back of your uh, knee and then up through the upper part of the leg to blast out the clots in that area. But I had to lay flat on my back for 20 or initially 24 hours. And then they reviewed, then they looked at me after 24 hours, said it's, it's better, but we're going to do it another 24 hours. So I have 48 hours of laying on your back, which is not like going to the restroom, laying on your back is not the most pleasant of experiences. And especially with an audience. (laughs) <laughs> but I said, I'll go through anything if it'll get me well quicker. And so, uh, so I, like that next Boston, I, I walked or I ran maybe like 10 minutes and walked for one. And I just wanted to finish. Time is irrelevant. And, and so I was able to, uh, get through it, but, uh, but I, the 2020, when I had this atrial fibrillation, same thing. I'm telling the doctor, I don't care what we do, because that hap- that surgery was, uh, I think, January or end of January in 2020. And Boston's the third Monday in April. Uh, I, I don't care what we do. I have to be ready to do Boston in April. So it's so you should, like finishing this year. That emotion going down the Boylston Street was just so intense, knowing, like having a flashback of everything that I'd been through to get to this point and thinking, I finally, I, I did it. A dream has come true. Yeah. And uh, wow, that had to have been very special, like you said, because um, you've, you've overcome a lot. I knew you had some health uh, uh situations but man you've really uh dealt with an incredible amount here the last few years um and even before then you had some some you know one thing that one year i almost probably when the closest i came to uh missing my string or breaking my string it was for my uh is my uh my 20th Boston Marathon. See, I've done 27 Boston Marathons. I did 1994, 96, which was 100th anniversary, 100th Boston Marathon, and then 1998 and every year since. Well, uh, on my 20th total Boston Marathon, I had uh, this bad uh, bone spur on my heel and just every step really hurt. Mm. But uh, but I'd gotten in the race and then I'd gotten, I'd reached Boylston Street. So I have roughly four tenths or so of a mile to be done. And I came, I was debating, should I drop out right now? And my reasoning of considering it was my time was over five hours. And when you've done Boston Marathon in under three hours and the people I run with would say, you're the president of the five hour club. And Mm -hmm. so this, uh, Mm -hmm. like the humiliation, like they don't care if you're hurt or whatever the situation is. They you ran a five hour marathon. And, And when you're used to running like the upper twos or threes or whatever, and then be over five, because if I don't finish, there's no result that says I did a five-hour marathon. But the reason I finished is I thought, you know, if I'm never able to run another marathon again, to say I ran 20 Boston marathons sounds a lot better than saying I ran 19. And so that's yeah. why. You, gotta, you had to I, finish it. Yeah. So I, so, but, but it crossed, trust me, it did cross my mind because I know. Like, I know you you, I'm, sure, it. I'm sure you know a friend of mine, Jim Jacobson, 
like he's the master trash talker and he uh <laughs> i know yeah. he yes. would give me a lot of grief yeah and he did and for for being the, the king of the five hour club hey but hey but you finished though but i but i finished and so looking back on it that would and have been you're... one of the stupidest moves i would have ever have done yeah fortunately you came here finish came your senses you... in time to to get to the finish line um so, you know, a lot of listeners might not know this, but you did seven marathons uh, in seven different continents in seven well, days. Well, no, so not quite that. So uh, what I... Well, yeah, well like, yeah, Antarctica was... But, was I did, I, but <laughs> in 2001, I did run a marathon in Antarctica, but uh, you, on that race, it's through Marathon Tours, but you live on... Like they have no hotels, so we lived on a ship. So we boarded the ship in uh, in the most southern point of Argentina, Ushuaia, Argentina, and then cruised through the Drake Passage to Antarctica. But then to get to shore, you take these little zodiac boats, these rubber rafts with a motor, and they hold like ten to twelve people. But to go to shore where the marathon was set up, the waves are really high. And the water's really cold. And they felt it was too dangerous to bring us to shore. So they canceled the race to one day. And since everybody on the race was on the ship, we're going to do it the next day. Well, the same weather took place. So then they decided we cannot stay in this area all the time because they had a lot of places to show us down in Antarctica. So we were going to run the marathon on the ship's deck 422 laps around the deck <laughs> and so that's what we did and yeah. but it was a still an amazing amazing experience so i've done right now four of the seven continents i've done 10 marathons outside the united states okay. but now that i've got my boston done and if i feel i'm in good shape just health wise then i would like to do the other three continents being Australia, Africa, and South America. Okay. Okay. That, uh, I didn't realize that it, that it got scuttered because of that, uh, because of the. Because I, yeah, we, we're doing British something ship. of that magnitude. You don't want to be paranoid about health things when you're that well, far away. Your, didn't you have a goal of doing seven and seven? Uh, yeah, I, I did. And then, okay. uh, but. It's now it's back higher on the but now it's like want to do all seven at some point. That's right, but not not like seven days in a row. Yeah, yeah. I've seen people done that, but that's uh, I just but it's it's, but it's what it's I've done ten marathons outside of the United States, and just to be able like to represent your country is. It's just pretty neat. Like the year before the Athens Olympics, I ran the Athens Marathon, which started in the town, Marathon Greece, and ended in the 1896 Olympic Stadium in Athens. And the thrill of that, just just amazing. And um you did the 50 states, which is which is a great accomplishment, and it's one that uh, has become a very popular goal for a lot of marathoners. Um was there uh, any uh, significant marathons in there that kind of uh, stand out that you did, uh, either enjoyable or difficult or difficult to get to? Or Well, one of the uh, one that I actually sort of enjoyed the most or the most excited for had the least amount of entrance. It was uh, hmm. in Wyoming. And I was worried because one of the back of my mind goals is to run a marathon in all 50 states in under four hours. Well, I, I have three states. I did not do it under four hours. And those are all three where I ran the marathon after it was part of an Ironman. So I'd already biked 112 miles first. So that was my excuse. But I still kind of like to go back to those three states. But when I did Wyoming, the person that won the race the year before was the winning time was like three hours and 55 minutes. But this course was like 
13 miles up. And then it's called the Green River Wild Horses Marathon. And then, <laughs> then you got to go back down. But 13 miles of uphill causes, like, it's not very good for your time. So I do this race. And at the time, there's, I bet there's several hundred, not like well, several hundred people, but they had uh, the, is like a 10K, a half marathon and a full marathon. We all started together. So then once at the 5K point, the 10K people turned around. So there's some people that were ahead of me that turned around and then get to the, uh, the halfway of the half marathon and then everybody ahead of me turned around and I think, Oh my God, I'm in first place. So now I'm getting towards the top of this, this Canyon. And I see this group of wild horses, just free running by me. And I thought I had like my phone slash camera with me. And I kind of like to take a picture of this, but on the other hand, you know, I am in the middle of a race and I am in first place. I would hate to lose because or not win a race because I stopped to be a photographer. So I I skipped that. And then it's probably about mile 16, one guy passed me, and then I ended up finishing second. But I was still under four hours. But knowing it was such a unique area where I was running, I was almost more excited to do that race than like let's say an upcoming Boston because I'd done it so many times, but because I just love that new experience. And that's really what inspired me to, to do like these, the 50 States is a great way to see the country. Yeah, where absolutely. Otherwise you normally would never have seen some of these areas. And it's very unique. Uh, it's very unique path i'm sure you ran there and, <laughs> of course that did then like and then a, one of my uh, uphills and then downhills a kind of a unique thing my virginia marathon is called the uh uh trigon bay bridge tunnel marathon so there's this chesapeake bay there's this it's like a i'm not sure how long this bridge is but this bridge the first 14 miles of the marathon was on this bridge. And then there's tunnels. So you go underneath the water. And then once you finish the, uh, after 14 miles, and we take this left and then ended in Virginia Beach, right along the ocean, on the, the boardwalk. And so that was kind of unique, running on a bridge and then going into the tunnels underneath the water and then back up again. And uh, so just so many experiences that if it wasn't for that 50 states you never would have done some of these things and so i'm just so thrilled and then you also went into uh, triathlons here um i got you down for three ironman world championships in, in hawaii which is you know the biggest honor you can have to compete in that um mm -hmm. did, did you do eight ironman totals so i've done eight total so yeah. the, the, the first Hawaii Ironman back uh, many years ago, they used to have a lottery. So just a drawing. Yeah. So then in 1998, I applied for the lottery. And so, uh, and I got picked. And how I found out I got picked was I was at work. I was in some business meeting and then all of a sudden, somebody knocks on the door of this business meeting. And it was Keith Murphy from Channel 13 Sports. And he says, the first one he says, is John Taylor in the room? And I am. And I had just gotten back a few days before from doing Boston Marathon in 98. And so this is year one of my string. And so he... Uh, and the people at work were making a big deal about me running Boston Marathon. So I'm sure that's something to do that. Then all of, the, all of a sudden, he says, can you swim? Can you bike? Can you run? And then he lifts up this bag that says, you're going to Hawaii. You're doing the Ironman. He said, oh, my God. So that was like an amazing like, dream come true. But then 
to validate that that spot because they don't want somebody swimming in the ocean who doesn't know how to swim. So in order to validate the lottery, you had to complete a half Ironman or longer event. You could be last place, but you got to prove in a certain time limit that you can do that. And so I did this race, the Springfield Iron Horse Triathlon in Springfield, Illinois. Well, this is 1998. Well, the water was contaminated and it got some bacteria that animals carry. And then after heavy rains, this bacteria seeped into the lake and then we swam in it. Well, two weeks after the triathlon, I was very ill. And then all of a sudden after two weeks or after like three weeks, one week of being ill, I get a call from the Iowa Department of Public Health asking if I'd been sick and if I did this triathlon in Illinois. And I said, yes and yes. On the Saturday, this guy came over to the house and then uh, did some tests and tested me for something that I'd never heard of at the time called leptospirosis. Why tested positive for it. And there was lots of people, not everybody, but there are hundreds of people who did that race that got severely ill. Mm. And so there was this massive hunt fighting everybody. And so this was like shortly before doing the Ironman in Hawaii, I, uh, which would have been in October of that year. Uh, and so I called up Ironman and say, is there any way I can postpone my lottery spot to the next year? And they said, you could not. So I said, you know, I have to go to just enjoy all the excitement and hoopla with it. Well, somehow I was able to finish that Ironman. And when that the guy on the loudspeaker says, John Taylor from Des Moines, Iowa, you are an Ironman. And just knowing that I'd almost died like <laughs> once before, the emotion at that moment is just was unbelievable. So then uh, in 2003, I did Ironman Wisconsin and Ironman Wisconsin. You, uh, since I'm a bad swimmer, I uh, normally when I do these triathlons, especially ones with lots of people, I just sit out on the beach. When the race starts, I may wait a minute, let everybody else go so I don't get trampled. Well, Wisconsin, uh, they, you had to tread water for the start. So I thought I was in the back, but I wasn't. Well, right mm -hmm. away, race starts, somebody pushes me underwater as I'm breathing in and I'm choking and gagging and and then finally found some kayak and got my composure. And then, then, then finally was able to get going again. But I had this great race where my age group, the top six got to go to Hawaii out of in my age group there was 147 and I finished six despite the disastrous start from the swim because I was a great biker and a great runner and it was a really a hot day and I do great in the heat and so I got to go to Hawaii that way and then the third time uh, I qualified at Ironman Louisville in 2008 and so the thrill of uh, being in Hawaii and then uh, I think it was 2008 may I'm sure you probably have heard of uh that father-son combination dick and rick hoy yeah rick's got like cerebral palsy and and dick just passed away in the last couple of years but uh they were competing that year and so it's really cool that the iron man parade where he lined up by country and i was with those guys the whole parade and talked to them and it was pretty a lot of special memories well, that's very special to actually qualify instead of getting in for a lottery. You earned yes. your way in, and that's oh. uh, and that's a great achievement uh, to be able to do that because that is the creme de la creme of, of Ironmans. I mean, that's the one and, to be in, and, and you I got, say you've done it three times. That's, uh, that's I got, one kind of a funny story. My first official marathon it was uh, Drake Marathon, nineteen eighty nine. And uh, it was kind of neat. My dad, who lived in New Jersey at the time, but was just visiting just by happenstance. So he's 
So I got this video, my marathon number one out of 111. And he's filming me running down Ingersoll Avenue towards downtown. Well, uh, there was no 801 grant. It was like looking at that video now, it's like, <laughs> wow, this is, yeah. uh, this is pretty cool. But in that video, like, like I said, uh, I'm going to do the Ironman. And at that point, I'd never done any long triathlon. Or I'm going to, and I even, I'm going to do Boston Marathon. But I was nowhere near a qualifying time for Boston. But my, my whole, like, one of my secrets is, if you have any dreams, let people know about them. And, and so I keep talking about this stuff, even though they were stretches at the time. And, uh, but you never know if you don't dream, it's not going to come true. And, and so it's kind of cool when I look back on that, it's just mind boggling what we can do. Yeah if we set our mind to it. Absolutely. Are you, uh, I heard to the great Brian, you're retired now. You had been working at uh, ING, it, it became Voya, uh, it's had several names. Um, you were working downtown. Are you Are you uh, officially so, retired? So I, my Voya days are done. Um, so I was there for tw tw uh, Voya slash ING. Uh, yep. So I was there for 23 years and then, uh, uh, part of the company got sold and then, um, and the new company just didn't have a position for me. So, but, uh, but the, the timing really could not have been better. It's, uh, so it's all a, a good thing. So I'm just still close contact with a lot of my buddies there. And what was really neat, one of the things that I love working there uh, ING was they uh, for most of those years, and they sponsored a lot of marathons throughout New the York world. City. Yeah. So they did New York City, and then one of my coolest experiences, uh, they uh, their main home office in the world was Amsterdam, and so in 2003, uh, I ran the Amsterdam Marathon, and so. ING, they took five employees in the world running Amsterdam Marathon and five running New York uh, to be the ING Globe Runners team. And I was one of those members. And but for the group doing Amsterdam. So what I needed to do for uh, three months leading up to uh, the marathon, I had to write approximately 100 word which isn't a lot, but a hundred word essay about my training for every day for three months. And then on a weekly basis, I had an email at the Amsterdam and they published to this intranet site that all the employees could see. So I tried to be entertaining with this. And then, uh, then we get to the month of the race. And then I ran the Des Moines Marathon that year. And, and I did that in like 255, which was my fastest marathon ever at the time. But then uh, the week later, this is in October, 2003, I got in a bad bike wreck. And I, it was in October, there was leaves on the Arizona trail. And That's so I was riding, I was riding over these leaves and there's this piece of wood or part of a branch from a tree. Well, I hit it and it, and it bounced up and got stuck between the front spokes and the front fork of the bike. And I went from 20 miles an hour to zero, just like that. Landed on the center of my face. I don't even know, at the time, I had no idea what happened. And then I noticed my tire went move when I got up and I saw this piece of wood. So then I, I ride home and every other step, there's a drop of blood on my, mm -hmm. my leg. And then I go home and go end up going to the hospital and I just and they sewed up this hole in my upper lip. And I remember telling the doctor the next week I got another marathon to do in Amsterdam. And so uh, so he said I could still do that. So 
I go to Amsterdam. I bring that piece of wood or that branch with me. I hold it in my hand, the whole race. And then I, uh, and to this day, that was my fastest marathon at 2.52 was in Amsterdam. And I was like this, almost like a hero of the ING employees. Cause I looked like my face was this blood or this gooey mess. And then, so they hear my story and then seeing me carrying that piece of wood and of there's over a hundred ING employees throughout the world that did that race, mainly, mainly from Europe. And I had the fastest time of every one of us. And, and so at my home here, they had me mail my running shoes to Amsterdam and they're bronze saying fastest ING runner and hmm. John Taylor. So it was kind of a cool, just a bizarre. And you, and he carried that stick like it was a badge of honor. I yeah. still have that. That's, that's like a, almost my, my trophy case. That was then, one of the, that was one of the incidents that I remember that, that, had, that uh, had befallen you. Yes. That, uh, and the week after that, you'd overcome. I remember there was, yeah. Something like that. And then a week after that, I actually ran the Venice, Italy marathon in like three hours and 20 seconds. So I missed three sub threes in one month by mm-hmm. 20 seconds. And, um, but, which would have been cool, but still as, this the whole thing just an amazing way doing races especially marathons to see the world because you don't need to you're bringing the same stuff you bring on any other trip it's not like it's a little more planning goes on when you're traveling like bringing a bicycle or something like that yeah but just you're running stuff it's just so cool go right out your hotel room absolutely um, I got to bring this up. Uh, I interviewed John Lipa in December. Um, he was about ready to complete 45 years of running uh, every day, um, at least one mile. Um, did you ever have a, a long streak like that? Or do you have a current streak? Uh, you like that? No, I, uh, I'm afraid with me personally, I think if I run too much, I'd be more apt to get some some kind of injury so i'd rather i i don't mind taking the days off but a days off could just be doing other things so but i've seen a lot of those kind of strings that uh are just are pretty amazing like i read after this past boston this one lady who had a leg amputated who ran boston but she was running the marathon distance it was like over a hundred days in a row yeah and like i just like i don't know well to me i think you're just more apt especially as you get older like a better chance of some injury happening by doing too much yeah so but that is but i give but but the, with something like that, or even the, by 25 Boston's in a row, it's just nice to have a goal that motivates you, and that's healthy. And, and you've, you've always been a driven guy, one of the most driven uh, runners that like, I've known. So, like one uh, of my my one of my proudest accomplishments was uh, like the damn the damn race. They did it 39 times. And I did the full damn the damn 36 of the 39. And, but I did have a stretch of 25 years in a row of under an hour and a half. And I don't know if many people could say that. And, and after that next year, it switched it to a half marathon. But, but to have 25 in a row, that consistency is is probably one of my goals I'm more uh, thrilled about. And so I was really, it was, it was tough when I saw like damn to damn uh, go away. And I've now I've done every damn to Des Moines since damn to damn went away. And so, but I still lost the damn to damn streak itself because the race ended. But I also 
did Big Creek Triathlon back in the day, 28 years in a row. And then that race went away. So my last string is Boston. So I feel fairly now, confident Boston's that one is, not going anywhere. Yeah, that one's not going away. I can, I can be confident of that. Uh, well, it's been very interesting that you have a new phase of your life, uh, getting to meet a daughter that you didn't know you had and, and her family. So it uh, sounds like your your golden years are, are going to be a lot of fun here, uh, John, as you, as you continue on. Do you have any other uh, goals here um, as we speak? Well, now I know uh, what's cool with these, my uh, six grandchildren, they're all big time athletes. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and so like my new son-in-law was so thrilled to meet me. Mm -hmm. I think, oh my God, now I know where the kids got all this stuff from. And so uh, like he sees me as a motivator. Like we're all planning on doing a trip together to Hawaii and, uh, oh, in July. And um, the kids are saying, like on the plane, I want to sit next to grandpa. <laughs> but to be, be, being called grandpa just it blows my mind when you never had a kid. And then all of a sudden, you have six grandkids. And uh, yeah. so it's the whole thing, just, just my, and the fact that they live in Norwalk, Iowa. So, like one day I ran to their house. <laughs> you ran all the way here. And so, uh, so the whole thing's just, just an amazing experience. And I grew up in a town. My first job was in a town, Norwalk, Connecticut. So I have all these roots in Norwalk, but not Iowa. And so now, yeah, and the yeah. fact that they're so close is pretty extra special. Well, thanks for the time, John. And um, like I said, it sounds like you got a lot of uh, exciting times with your new family coming up. And we'll see you down the road here uh, well, at a race or a run. Sounds wonderful. Well, great catching up. And go for your dreams. <laughs>